Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. Welcome to the Engaging Mission Show with Brian Ensminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers, and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Greetings, world changers. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show. I'm your host, Brian Ensminger, and I am really looking forward to today's show. I think it's fair to say that our guest today is a pretty smart guy. He was an Air Force officer and holds a master's degree in aeronautical science and safety. But after about 11 years in the Air Force, he felt called to change directions. He's been a church planter trainer in North India. He holds a master's in divinity, and he's the pastor of small groups and missions at Harvest Bible Chapel in North Indianapolis, Indiana. But all of that pales in comparison to the passion that Jonathan Dobbs has for Christ. As we talk today, we're going to do our best to talk about the glory of Jesus, the lostness of the world, and how to reach our cities by making disciples. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate you guys letting us come on today. That's my pleasure. So, Jonathan, I've given just a little bit of an introduction, but before we start to dive in, I'd like to get to dive in and uh, take a minute and find out a little bit more about you and your family. Can you share with us about yourself and your family? Absolutely. So, um, I am uh, originally from Georgia, that's the University of Georgia, so I'm a bulldog, so watch out. <laughs> and um, we, uh, my wife and I, my wife's name is Lauren Dobbs, and um, she and I have been married for almost 15 years this December, and um, she's loving my life. And, um, you know, we got six amazing kids, uh, three boys, three girls. And, you know, we went into the Air Force kind of after college and, you know, met um, at church, and we've spent um, 11 years in the Air Force, as you said a minute ago, and, you know, still uh, being involved in, you know, military families, and kind of interested in getting back into the chaplaincy if I can, so we're just, uh, that's kind of a little bit about us and our family. So. Wow. So, when you were in the Air Force, was there anything that you really did love about being in the Air Force? Yeah, I mean, I think that I love more than anything is the people. Uh, you get to be involved in a lot of different types of people, different walks of life, and you learn to be a team with those people and, uh, um, you know, find qualities that they don't maybe see in themselves and build those up and encourage them along in leadership. So I really love that about the Air Force. That's great. So as, as I was reading through your the stuff that you had sent me, I'm, I'm looking at two master's degrees. In my mind, that's pretty impressive. And sometimes it feels to me like there can be a little bit of a bias toward academia or higher education in the church. Have you been able to apply what you've learned? Uh, yeah, I have, but I think I'm educated, you know, well past my uh, intelligence. But uh, <laughs> 
I think that in the Air Force, of course, it was aeronautical science, you know, goes hand in hand with what I was doing with launching recovering airplanes across the world. And um, um, But the Masters of Divinity really helped a lot because um, when you get into the third world as well as cross-culturally, um, it really helps a lot to study theology or just really just get into the Bible deeper and try to think deeply about, you know, the ancient questions of, you know, where did we come from, where are we going, and, you know, who is God, and uh, try to, you know, piece those things together as you're trying to explain those things in a different language. So I think all of these things God had used to prepare me to go across the world, as well as my on-the-job training with the military, deploying into different locale uh, places. I mean, I had to learn how to think on my feet and stuff like that. So God really just formed our our, um, lifestyle to this Wow. As you think about your life, you know, the, the the years that you had in the Air Force and then the years that you've had since then, has there been maybe a meaningful quote or a key scripture that you've applied to your life as you've approached life in ministry? Yeah, there is. Um, the Psalms have always been really encouraging to me at uh, times of just soul-searching and trying to call out to God. And um when I was trying to go into full-time ministry, I, I was just struggling. What is calling? You know, God, do you, do you really want me to be a part of your ministry in the world full-time? And Psalm 37, 5 says, Commit your way to the Lord and trust in Him, and He will act. And that was a big verse for me to just step out in faith and follow Christ in that way. So, yeah, it's a big verse for me. Can you share with us maybe one of the times that you, as you were stepping into that, that you had to apply that, you know, kind of what it, what was going on and, and how you applied that specifically? Sure. Uh, yeah, the, the time, you know, in 2000, end of 2007, I was leaving active duty military. And, you know, Uncle Sam pays, you know, the bills pretty well. At least he did for me as a captain. And um, it was really just challenging to leave the umbrella of the military and to trust Christ, you know, that he has provided God. God provides my paycheck, not not myself from hard work or any of those things. And I, you know, built this career off of, you know, nine, ten years of hard work. And uh, it just trying to trust that he's, he's really going to take care of us as we step into, you know, full-time ministry and seminary, getting a, a job that's paying like ten bucks an hour. I mean, it was just really a struggle and, and trusting God, you know, that he is faithful. So, yeah. Can, can you share with us maybe also, well, let me frame this up a little bit better. So one of the things that I've discovered as I look around is it seems like looking from the outside, nearly everybody's life has what I call the Facebook effect, where you look at it and everything looks like puppies and kittens and rainbows and happy quotes, <laughs> right? And and when we look at our own lives, we can feel really disconnected from that because we look at our own mess, right? I mean, there's, there's mess in my life. Right? Not everything's all nailed down. And so I find that we sometimes connect a little bit with the challenges and the failures that people have have experienced. And not only do we connect emotionally, but we also then maybe some, sometimes learn something about what God did in their lives. Can you share one of those experiences with us? Well, yeah, I mean, um, I'm trying to think there's, there's a lot. Um, one of the things that was really challenging in North India was just dealing with spiritual warfare. Um, I'd never really had a book on that. I never had a class on that. Um, you know, it was just really difficult to deal with something I can't see. It's very oppressive, very hard to work through, and it affected my kids and my ministry as well. So just really just uh, developing, you know, um, a habit of prayer and being a priest in my household and trying to just gird myself in that way and with my wife and 
and allowing the national friends that I had to help me, you know, work through some of those things that I'd never really experienced before. It was a real challenge, but I think at the same time, it was the way God, you know, just showing that he is, he is God over all things, even the unseen. So, yeah, yeah. Have you experienced that kind of um, spiritual warfare even in the States with what you're doing now? Yeah, I have, yes. Uh, anytime strongholds, in my opinion, and I may be hypersensitive to it, but uh, and I don't try to find Satan under every rock, but <laughs> anytime, you know, strongholds are being challenged, I think, you know, if you were to start to really proclaim the gospel in places where there's mafia syndicates and prostitution rings and, you know, just darkness and drug drugs that are being dealt, you know, I think that, you know, they're, there's many times Satan is around the corner and things, you know, you affect spirit or encounter spiritual warfare. Wow. So, um, what I'd like to do if I can is maybe make this a, a little bit practical also for the people who are listening. So if we, if we think about what I'm doing or what some of the people that I've interviewed are doing in terms of, you know, finding stories of people who are glorifying God and also then going out and sharing their story. Sometimes people in those positions come against an attack. If, if I'm the father, if I'm the head of a household and I've got a family, what do I do when I start feeling some kind of attack come against me? Well, I, I try to go back biblically. Uh, Revelation talks about you know pleading, you know the blood of the Lamb and the you know the blood of the testimony, and just pray, you know proclaiming what Christ has done for us. You know, um, obviously out loud and how He saved you, and um, you know, and also just praying for as many lost people as you possibly can. Because I mean, Satan's never going to you know bring you to pray for lost people, right? And if <laughs> The things that you're being attacked, you know, affected by, you know, if you're if it's causing you to pray for lost people, I mean, I think that's, you know, really a good way to do that. But just for me, I just I pray uh, scripture, I sing hymns, and I just I do those things over my kids and over my family until I feel like, you know, I have peace again, you know, in my home, and um, and I feel like, you know, I've heard other, you know, encouragements, you know, play gospel music and other things, but. Again, I just I try to pray scripture and I try to just ask God to to work this out because He's the one that's got the power, not me. You know. <laughs> do you have a, a personal habit, maybe something that you do regularly that you believe contributes to what God's been able to do in your life? Well, I think um, just you know I think of First uh, Timothy four seven. You know, discipline yourself for godliness. Uh, some of those are you know, definitely a habit of prayer. Just really praying for people like on the spot when they have prayer requests, you know, um, if it's on the phone or whatever, even if it's inconvenient, but, uh, you know, personal time in the word, obviously. And, you know, praying with my wife regularly when we're walking, but just being in a spirit of prayer, you know, cause, uh, the father, you know, is the one who we need to be in relationship with and just regularly talking to him, you know, is what I would say is the best habit. So we we have a couple minutes left before we head to a break, and I'd like to ask, if I can, a question that I hadn't sent to you originally. And what what's kind of coming up, what I'm thinking about is, you know, God has done some amazing things in your life. I believe that God has been really, really faithful to you. Do you have a story of God's significant faithfulness or, or something significant that God's done in your life? Yeah, I, I think the the story of faithfulness that I would just proclaim about Jesus Christ is there are just so many times where I would go into a Hindu home, uh, just all the different languages and smells and colors, and 
overwhelmed that, you know, God, dear God, how are these people so different from me, different languages, different dialects, how are they going to come to know you? You know, it's just such an overwhelming thing to step into that, I mean, and see all these gods and goddesses, and, and um, but, but to to start that habit of prayer and begin starting the book of Genesis and working your way through the stories of the Bible and just, you know, working through national so you speak that language and see God transform lives. Because really, I mean, it's the same thing over here. People speak a global language of love, and if you get them into the Word of God and you ask the Spirit of God to change their life, He can you know, and, and it's just, it's that simple. So he's just faithful to, and we've seen, you know, many families over there repent, believe, take believers baptism and start ministry. So it's just been really encouraging to see God's faithfulness through it all. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. With that, we are going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus a little bit from learning about Jonathan to learning about the ministry that God has him doing right now. So stick with us. Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the Engaging Missions Leadership Minute. Hi, this is Scott McClellan with your Leadership Minute. I'd like to bring something to your consideration today that you may not have thought about, or perhaps you have. In either case, I hope it is an encouragement to you. It's something I've experienced through the years, and I think it's been a helpful thing for me to realize um, the situation we're in. What is that situation? Uh, the situation is, in following God, we guarantee for ourselves an ongoing contingent of human opposition. Really? Oh, yes, really. And furthermore, we shouldn't be surprised by it. If we think back about the folks in Hebrews chapter 11, for example, we can see that these guys faced incredible uh, resistance, opposition, um, you know, a lot of stuff. As Also, the, the history of those who've come before us uh, after the Scriptures who have... Uh, persisted in being led by the Lord, they've faced resistance. As long as someone is resisting the Lord, if you're following God, they're going to resist you too. And I think Jesus um, encouraged us to be, uh, be mindful of this when he said, uh, if they have hated the master, will they not also hate his servants? So that's strong language, and sometimes it certainly applies. Not specifically talking about hate here, but just resistance. If you're going to follow God, you should expect human resistance. And to be armed with this expectation puts you in a position not to be surprised or taking, taken by um, uh, this in a way that throws you off. And it also puts you in a position not to react to it. So arm yourselves with this reality today that uh, you're going to face opposition when you're just trying to follow God, seek Him, do His will, those kinds of things. Arm yourself with this and be ready not to react, but to bless those who curse you. That's our standard, and let's follow it. This is Scott McClellan with your Leadership Minute. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com or on most social media outlets at FX Missions. Have a good one.
This has been the Engaging Missions Leadership Minute. If you have a leadership question, send it to feedback at engagingmissions.com. That's feedback at engagingmissions.com. All right, we are back with Jonathan Dobbs. We just finished up learning a little bit about him, heard a story of God's faithfulness, heard some difficulties and some challenges that he's faced. Now we're shifting our focus to learn more about the ministry that God has him doing. But instead of framing it up as asking him how God called him to do what he did and stuff like that, I think what we're going to do is just open the floor. So Jonathan, I know that you have a heart for reaching cities through discipleship, and I, I, I believe that that's where we need to start. So I'd just like to open the floor. How should we re- reach our cities through discipleship? How, what does that look like? What do we need to do? Well, I think uh, for me, is that, you know, remember stepping into language school first year, and, you know, now that I'm in a city, like I'm in Indianapolis, so we're, you know, starting with just a lot of prayer, you know, daily, just devoting a lot of time to prayer and just asking the Lord to raise up intercessors and laborers from the harvest is, is really key and important. And just, uh, and developing that in all of the people that you, as you engage people, you know, um, that, that's really important. Step one is all of this is, is God's going to cause any type of positive thing happening. You know, it's just hmm. the human side is we just need to, you know, figure out. You know what are our what's our side and what's God's side, right? And uh, our side is just a lot of prayer, and I think abundant seed sowing is really important. And um, I, I serve in a local body, a church, and uh, I think that's one area where a lot of people have fear, and we need to uh, grow in our boldness and, and just. Uh, I, I don't think at the end of our lives we want to, you know, say, hey, you know, we we stayed in the stands. You know, we need to take a little bit of risk in that way. And uh, maybe if you don't know how to do that or you don't know the best way to do it with your personality, just go with people who do until you learn how to do it in your own language and your own personality. But begin sowing seed and asking questions like, okay, well, who in our life, who in my life, you know, can I be able to share with? And, um, and as we do begin to invest and share the gospel with people in our lives, our coworkers, our family, our friends, uh, people in our neighborhood, you know, you know, training them to know how to do that and then how to take them through a, a you know, a short-term discipleship and a long-term discipleship, being able to walk them through the Bible, learn how to ask good questions of the Bible, and learn how to, you know, if they have a question in their life, you know, how, how do they actually, um, how do they answer those questions? And, and just always bring them back to the Bible and not to my knowledge or your knowledge. And uh, that, that's one thing. And then looking you know, at thinking strategically as you're looking at, Parts of the cities, you know, there's different places, obviously, that you could go and start. Some places are wiser than others, you know. And, you know, I know just uh, last week in uh, in India we were, you know, out in mosques trying to meet people and things like that. But just finding out where people congregate and being able to, to, to take, you know, take it to neighborhoods and then also take it to congregating areas. And um, just regularly having time to get into the harvest, I think, is really important. So do you have a a systematic approach that you use as far as uh, sharing the gospel and discipleship, what that looks like? Is there a a format that you follow? Yeah, I I was trained in in India with a a mission sending organization, and they just teach me five five simple ways, uh, steps, if you will. And uh, one is just entry. Entry is, you know, connecting with people. How do you do it? You know, and as you enter those relationships, normally I do that with prayer. 
Um, and then the second one is gospel proclamation. Normally I would share either my testimony or a Romans road or uh, a tool called the three circles. And as I share that, um, find out if they're, you know, biblically Luke 10, a person of peace or house of peace, if they're willing to listen, um, we'll share a story of hope or share a story um, at one of the commands of Christ, you know, um, and I'll take them through the seven commands of Christ if they're willing to listen. And those commands of Christ, you know, from George Patterson originally, you know. And then um, after that, um, transition into something like longer-term discipleship. And um, I would use something like um, the sword method. It's uh, kind of an augmented version of the navigator's speca, if you've ever done that before. Um, you, you're basically saying of the word every time you read it, you know, is there a sin to avoid, a promise to claim, an example, a command, an application, you know, what does this tell us about God and man? Mm-hmm. And I walk them through the book of Mark, maybe. And then after that, I'm trying to just get them through the whole Bible so that they learn how to self-feed. And, um, yeah, that's kind of how we do it. Okay. And you you mentioned the three circles method. So for those listening, I do want to mention that I'll go ahead and have that linked up for you so that you can find out what that's going to look like. And that that's at engagingmissions.com slash Jonathan Dobbs. Now, Jonathan, you, you mentioned a little bit about what you've been doing as far as, you know, sharing the gospel and how we can reach our cities, but you're currently the, the pastor of small groups and discipleship. So can you share with us what it is that you do in that role, how you're investing in the kingdom in that? Right. So, uh, as you said, those are kind of my titles. Um, and, and I also do a lot of outreach and stuff like that with our folks. But, uh, I mean, a lot of leadership development, a lot of, uh, you know, time with people trying to, you know, invest in them, uh, teach them how to do those five things. Uh, and as we learn how to do those five things, we have outreach nights and things like that. We'll do that in our local community. Uh, then we'll try to, you know, connect the opportunities overseas, like on a mission trip. Like we'll mm-hmm. take them, you know, to India or Thailand or China. Or uh, in this case, in this season, it's been um, New York City. We would go up with Global Gates, and um, we would do uh, a sifting week. And we would go into two days of prayer and then two days of, you know, knocking on doors. I think we went through 500 doors, shared the gospel. It's like 120 to 150 people. Maybe around 50 Bible studies were started with unreached people groups in Manhattan and Queens. I mean, we'll do that in America. We'll do it overseas. So just having a lot of opportunity for people to practice. You know, practice is really, really important. Getting reps in this is so important. So you mentioned the uh, the trip to New York City, and this is where I think traditionally I would think, well, let's let's talk about a story of one of the victories that you saw in New York. But what I what I'm thinking about is. What's, what's the vision, right? What can, what can happen through doing something like what you did where you went in and you prayed and you knocked on doors? What's the end game? Well, <laughs> you're talking a large scale or just uh, for, for an individual you know, community? Uh, large scale, I think, really, I, I unite under uh, a banner with a lot of other guys with no place left. Uh-huh. And we would like to really push to be faithful in our generation and to see there's no place left in our cities for gospel ministry because it's been proclaimed in every neighborhood, in every mosque, in every, you know, madrasa, every Hindu temple. You know, all these people have had a chance to hear the gospel in our generation, and uh, that's only going to happen with uh, a lot of good churches involved, a lot of good gospel uh, ministers and priests involved. And, um, yeah, so we've got to... You know, that's kind of the end game for me. Um, but, you know, in a more 
tactical sense, the end game for me is, well, people get into a Bible study and listen. Because if they get into the Bible and they listen to God's truth, their worldview will change. And then when you begin to have conversations about Creator God, how He's a promise keeper, biblical sin and how that separates us in relationship to Him and how we need to repent, using that Bible word for change, we need to change our ways and amend them. And if we're willing to listen and humble ourselves before God, repent and change and call upon His name, call upon Jesus' name, we can be saved. So that's really, for me, the end game is trying to get people in the Word and just get, train as many people as possible to get people in the Word so they can be discipled and wow. bring glory to King Jesus. That's great. I, I heard, um, I can't remember who it was talking a couple weeks ago on Steve Addison's podcast about the No Place Left vision, and I, I thought that was really powerful. W- one of the other things I'm wondering, though, is God did lead you from the uh, the Air Force to this kind of ministry, and it's been a bit of a journey. Can you share with us a little bit about how God did that, how, you moved, how He moved you from one place to the next? Yeah, I, um, as I said, I was, I was an aircraft maintenance officer, and um, you know, had plans, you know, to make full colonel. That was kind of my little G God. I was really focused in on that and had been doing it for, you know, six years active duty as an officer and three years as enlisted. And that's what I was going to do, you know. And um, one day my wife, Lauren, invited me to dinner after I'd been done, uh, just gotten back from being deployed and uh, went to a school. And um, she was like, hey, you know, I just want to share something special with you. So my heart and my first question as a good man would be, you're not pregnant, are you? <laughs> and she said, no, I'm not pregnant. It's like, okay, well, you can tell me whatever you need to tell me. And um, and then she just said, I just want to share with you that um, I feel like God is calling us into full-time ministry. And for me, that just rocked my paradigm. And um, at the time, I was a member of a good church, and I was a small group leader of a small group. I was in my Bible every day reading the Bible, but I just did not have a a category for that. Hmm. You know, why would God want me to do that full time? I just didn't understand. And I even remember calling up my mission agency that I ended up going with saying, man, that's crazy. I'd never do that, you know, but I did. And, um, <laughs> it just taught me to not say no when God gives you a call uh, to, to be humble and listen and be willing to, to seek, seek out the scriptures, seek godly counsel, call upon him and um and have a lot of these things meet as well as you and your wife being in alignment so uh yeah that was kind of how we transitioned from the military to going into this full-time ministry is my wife was instrumental and god used her in the scriptures it was great and as I think about a transition like that, and then the, the time that you spend in North Africa and the kinds of work that you're doing, those kinds of transitions and that kind of work doesn't come without challenges. And sometimes, at least in my life, challenges often can lead to discouragement. I don't want to necessarily say they do for you, but have you had times of discouragement? And if you did, how did God pull you out of those? Yeah, that's that's right. So, um I would just say, uh, you know, one of those big discouragements was in seminary. First week I got there, found out one was pregnant with our fourth child, and I had failed like my third or fourth class, and I didn't know if I was supposed to be there because mm. it was just a lot harder school than I had ever experienced before. And I thought I knew all about school because the military throws you through a lot of them. Mm. And just I remember crying with her and just saying, did God not call us to this? And, you know, we had to just basically turn and look at each other and just, you know, and just call upon the Lord. And I can't say that a whole lot changed in my study ethics. I was trying to really work hard and everything, but 
But he just showed me he was really faithful. And, and in some similar ways, you know, when you're, you know, in a foreign country, and our our experience, we had, you know, my wife was really sick our last year on the field. And, you know, she um, got E. coli poisoning. And, you know, she also, in that same season, um, she had a, a tw- twins. And it just really affected how she felt. She was in the bed for like eight weeks and IVs and everything. And just when you get really low like that, you know, um, either the Lord is your strength or he's not, you know. And yeah. you just have to really trust you know, it's almost like that moment in uh, Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. He's going to take that step, you know, and there is nothing visible there. But he, he steps and he's there. You know, there's something under him. But uh, you know, when you find out God is there for real, it's it's really encouraging in your walk with Christ. Yeah. Looking back over the years, is there anything that you wish you would have done differently? I think the thing that I would probably say that I would have done differently is I would have prayed more. I would have, I would have spent more time in preparation on my knees, uh, you know, just asking God, you know, to prepare me, you know, and I did spend a lot of time praying, but it just, it wasn't enough. I needed to have prepared more in that way. And as, as you're approaching ministry, what is it that fuels your passion? Oh boy. <laughs> um, what fuels my passion, uh, to see people walking in the truth, to see people come to Christ and then turn around and see those same people out sharing the gospel and discipling people just absolutely lights me up. And I just, I love to see someone go from death to life and just be transformed and, just to see the life in their face and just so excited about King Jesus and what he's done and, and their joy, you know, it just lights me. If I get saved all over again, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Is that something you ever would have expected to be the fuel for your passion? Uh, The fuel for my passion. And and even when I was a Christian as a maintenance officer, was really uh, a lot of ego and a lot of um, just, you know, career, you know, Mm -hmm. it was just, that's how I would really define myself. And, and God has really just changed that for me. Um, you know, the Lord, you know, what we forget sometimes as a a believer is that we have a kingdom culture that's altogether different than the culture we live in, no matter where you live in the world. And we've got to let the Bible and the culture of the kingdom trump anything that we find normal. And yeah, so it's, it's changed me. That's powerful. With that, we're going to go ahead and take another break. Uh, When we come back, we're going to shift our focus one last time. We're going to hear about some of the things that you've learned and focusing specifically on our listeners and things that would be valuable to people who are called into the marketplace and people who are looking for answers and uh, looking for insight from God. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Missions show. At my point in life, I felt like the I was not really going to be able to move to a new country, learn a new language, and be an effective residential missionary. And, and so what we decided to do as a family is I'm sort of a commuting missionary. I commute mostly to Indonesia and to Cuba, and I train national Christians, Christians in those countries, how they can share the gospel in a way that people in their country will understand, and then how they can start simple Bible study groups in the homes of new believers with the goal of those Bible study groups becoming 
biblical churches uh, and multiplying disciples and, and new churches. When I started doing this, I thought to myself, if the people I'm training actually do what I'm asking them to do, some of them are going to get beaten up and thrown out of their families or maybe even killed. Mm -hmm. And it would just be wrong for me to say essentially to them, hey, I read this in a book, you should do it. Uh, it, it really, it, I feel like it's necessary for me to have any integrity to be putting into practice the same things that I'm teaching. So my family and I also are trying to do the, the exact same thing in, in Southern California. We have a group that meets in our home and we've started a number of other groups um, as well. If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. All right, we are back with Jonathan Dobbs. We just finished talking about some of the things that fuel his passion and some of the challenges that he's faced and what he's doing uh, in ministry and his vision for what what he believes God would do as we go out and disciple and share the gospel. Now we're going to flip it a little bit and we're going to start focusing on, on you as our listeners. So Jonathan, I know that most of the people who are connected to the show are in the marketplace. God's called them into the marketplace. They they care about missions, they care about full-time ministers and ministry, but they don't necessarily feel called to vocational ministry. So what would you share with someone who's in that position and they're starting to wonder if what they do really matters in the kingdom? Yeah, I think it's really an important question. Um, I think that um, the army of God needs to mobilize. I think that um, we need to bloom where we're planted. I think we need to be intentional in that place. So everybody has relationships, right? And um, whether they're business or, you know, neighborly or friendly or whatever those relationships are, and there's just, there's people, Brian, that you can touch that I can't touch. Mm -hmm. And there's people that they can touch that, that you can't touch. And we've got is is huge relationships in that way. He's a relational God. And I would just say, as you bloom where you're planted, just learning how to connect with people. Do you know how to do that in a natural way? Do you know how to share the gospel in a simple way? Uh, do you know how to disciple someone? Have you taken people through a process of discipleship? Um, you know, you know, I think all of this is just, you know, learning how to do this with your personality and learn how to do it with your gift set, you know, that God's given by the spirit. I would just encourage you know, the army of God, that no matter where they are in the marketplace, in the home, wherever you happen to be, get equipped and, you know, equip yourself for the ministry to be able to reach people because you have been planted in a specific place and God is going to use you to mobilize his kingdom and, and magnify his glory among the nations. I mean, it's really awesome that, you know, so many different peoples are in our marketplace and our neighborhoods now. I mean, they're from all over the world. I'm seeing that. Um, in Indianapolis, I've seen it in New York and, and all over the, the country, and yeah, it's really exciting. So this idea has come up a couple of times now about going and getting some kind of training, learning how to find your voice and being able to share the gospel simply, but with the, the voice and the gifts that God's given you. If somebody's in the position where they're going, man, I want to know how to do that, where would you point them? Okay, so I'll just go ahead and point out my good buddy, uh, Troy Cooper. Uh, he's got a website, coopersonamission.com. I would check that one out. Um, 
Also, there's on Facebook the the Julo uh, Jesus Up In and Out uh, website for No Place Left. I would check that out. Uh, movements not dot org. Um, there's just a lot of places to begin learning. You know how to equip oneself with practical tools. And also I think it's important through some of those websites to network with people who are already involved in this type of uh, house-to-house or business-to-business ministry and to, you know, find a practitioner in your city and get equipped uh, and just go with them and learn, you know, by watching. What would you share with somebody who is living here in the U.S., and they look up one day and they realize that their neighbors, their coworkers, the people they see in the grocery store are people from another culture, maybe even people where we couldn't send a missionary if we wanted to. Would you say that example would be with somebody who, who speaks our language or not? That's a good question. You know, I, I guess I hadn't really considered it. Um, I would think probably somebody who speaks our language just because maybe that's simpler. Yeah. That, that's actually the reality right now in a lot of neighborhoods uh, and, and workplaces. People from other countries now are coworkers, and they're you know at the at the World Stage for Market, and uh, they have come here for opportunity. And you know it's interesting. Uh, we speak the language of love internationally, like I said before. And a lot of these guys are just looking for friends. They're looking for somebody to give them a recommendation for their kids to go to school, or you know, a place to go rent a car or buy a car. And, most white Americans or African Americans or just people who've lived here normally and have not, you know, immigrated here recently, you know, they don't befriend people from other countries a lot. You know, that's been my experience in the Midwest. Doesn't mean everybody's like that, but um, these guys are looking for friends. They're looking for people to hang out with, and mostly it's just among their own people. So, you know, I would just say finding a way uh, to get involved with their life and to be a real, have a real relationship with them as a starter. Uh, and when engaging in, in ministry, I think for me, the best way, at least with South Asians, has been to start in Genesis and work my way towards the, the gospel. Uh, there's a lot of story sets that are out there that you can grab and, and you throw one on a smartphone or whatever. But it's really just laying a foundation for who God is and helping them understand he's not the God that they necessarily grew up hearing about or higher conscience or nirvana or something mm-hmm. like that. And biblical sin is an offense against a holy God, not just an accident or a mistake. You know what I mean? And, you know, understanding what the Bible says about these things. So that when you begin to have that gospel conversation, then you're actually talking apples to apples instead of, you know, what they believe and what you believe and your truth and my truth. You know what I mean? So that's why I always ask, would you be willing to listen? Would you be willing to get into a Bible study? Someone says no. Well, I don't really have a lot of those conversations with them because they're kind of hard-hearted. That doesn't mean that they're not maybe going to be willing next week or next year, but right now they're just not ready, and I'm going to frustrate both of us with the conversation. <laughs> but once they say yes, you know, I'm going to try to get them in the Word, and then we're going to try to get their foundation on who God is straight from the Bible itself. I don't use anything else. Yeah. And is there maybe an Internet resource or a book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners? All right. So, um, well, I think I, I just mentioned my buddy's website, yeah. you know, some of the resources you can get on the app store and do the three circles of seven commands. Um, you can get off Troy's website. But I think one of the books that's really challenging me right now is The Jesus Paradigm by Dr. Alan Black. Um, it's really encouraged me to think through um, the, 
you know, the way Jesus did things. And another one that's been a real encouragement to my soul personally has been the Gospel Primer by Milton Vincent. And also for my personal prayer life to like build that and uh, pray scripture back to God. Uh, Kenneth Boa's book, um, Handbook to Prayer. Those are three really great books. Okay, yeah, and for, for those of you who are listening, again, this will all be linked up in the show notes, which are at engagingmissions.com slash Jonathan Dobbs. So if you're on your way to work or you're working out or something, don't worry about trying to text yourself. Just go ahead and stop by the show notes and, and get, get those links. And I would like to recommend, especially if you're in the marketplace and you're starting to wonder or you're looking for next steps or something like that, go ahead and check out those resources that Jonathan mentioned. I think that you'll not only find them informative, but also encouraging. Uh, For me, it's really exciting to see baptisms on Facebook. I'm just going to be honest. It's really cool to see people come to Christ and follow in baptism. So I would recommend that you do that. Now, Jonathan, we are just about done. Do you have maybe one last piece of advice you could share with us and uh, a good way for people to connect with you? Then we'll say goodbye. Sure. Uh, my, my email address, if you're trying to reach me, is jandldobbs at gmail.com. J, the word and, and ldobbs at gmail.com. So that's how you can kind of get a, a hold of me. And if I have any advice, goodness, I don't want to give you humanly advice. I'll just give you a verse that right now that I'm really working through that God is working in my life. It's Hebrews 12 two, And it just tells us to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And just any time that I am down or I'm having a struggle in any of this, and, and ministry is a struggle, whether it's full-time ministry or you know part-time ministry, whatever you want to call it, we're all called to be ministers, and we're all going to have hard days, and we need to look to Jesus who, who saved us, right? And on the cross, he has paid the sin debt of the world and me, and he despised being, going on the cross, but he had joy because he knew that it was going to make us in right relationship. So just encouraging us, ourselves with the gospel, you know, and keeping our eyes on Jesus, you know. Wow, Jonathan, thank you so much. I really do appreciate you taking the time to do this, especially late at night like it is right now. I really do appreciate that. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, God bless you guys. I appreciate the interview. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this, along with show notes, by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, Please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.